This is Jess, and you're listening to The Pumping Podcast. Welcome back, mamas, for the second year of The Pumping Podcast. I'm so grateful that you're here joining with me again. And if you haven't heard any of the episodes from last year, go back and check them out because it was really an amazing year for me, and I spoke with so many wonderful, inspirational mamas. Before we dive into our first episode of this second season, I wanted to just mention to you one of our sponsors. You can find them in the show notes. It's called Hypno Babies, and I spoke in episode 7 with the founder and CEO, Carrie Tushoff, and she was gracious enough to give us our own personal 20% off discount for my listeners. If you've never heard of Hypno Babies before, it's a really unbelievable thing. It's something for moms who are expecting. But not only that, they also have clips that can help you with things that you wouldn't even expect, like how to stop smoking, or related to families, help with toddler sleep, help with your own sleep, help with certain stressors. So definitely check out the Hypno Babies link in the show notes because you're not going to want to miss what they have to offer. And don't forget to use the code PUMPINGPODCAST with no spaces for a 20% off discount. So go check out Hypno Babies and use that promo code. Now, on to our first episode. Today I sit down with a good friend of mine from back in college. Her name is Emily Roberts. She is a beautiful, strong, powerful mama of one, and her story is really interesting. Today, we decided to focus on breastfeeding. I actually decided to focus on breastfeeding for this month because, as you might be aware, I took last month off, and last month, August, was National Breastfeeding Month, and I wanted to celebrate that. So I'm taking the first few episodes of this month of September to celebrate all of you breastfeeding and pumping mamas out there. I just want to also put in a little plug in there that any mamas who are bottle feeding, formula feeding, I support you 100% as well. I just wanted to take this month to recognize my breastfeeding, pumping mamas out there during this holiday. The other thing I want to make sure I tell you before we dive into Emily's interview is she has her own apothecary. It's called Emmy's Apothecary, and she has some amazing products on there, and you can find that link in the show notes. And beginning September 3rd, for 30 days until October 3rd, she is offering all of you 20% off her entire shop. So anything in there, you can go in there and grab for 20% off. She's also offering free shipping for orders of $35 and up and a free gift for orders $40 and up. Make sure you go check out Emmy's Apothecary and use the promo code PUMPNATION20. I love that. Use the promo code PUMPNATION20. Now on to the show. All right, here we are. Welcome. I'm so excited. We are kicking off year two of the Pumping Podcast. And thank you, Emily. You're my very first guest of this second year. I am. Oh, that's so exciting. Thank you for having me. (laughs) I also, before we dive into Emily and all of the amazing things that she does and her amazing life as a mom, I want to just say to everybody, happy breastfeeding week. This will actually be airing in September, 
but I'm going to be taking the first few episodes of this month to celebrate breastfeeding month from back in August. Um, we are in August, so it feels like we can still celebrate it right now. But for those of you listening in September, um, since I didn't release any new episodes in August, I want to celebrate it now. So happy breastfeeding week and month to you, Emily, and to all of those listening. Thank you. <laughs> so today we are going to talk about breastfeeding, which is something that I know you are very passionate about, and we're going to cover everything, but this is something that you've been on my mind as far as just breastfeeding alone goes, because you've been so passionate and outspoken about it, and I'm really interested to hear what you have to say. So first, for all those listening, I am speaking today with Emily Roberts. She is a dear friend from back in college, and it's always kind of fun. It's like, it's crazy how, you know, the world works and time works as you get older and things, you know, like we might not see each other for a while. And then we had one year where you came out and celebrated my birthday with your husband and we just had a blast. And then now it's like we get together again to talk and it yeah. just makes me so happy. So thanks for being here. Well, yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. It's always fun to reconnect, of course. And it's always lovely to have friends that you can just like pick right up where you, right. where you left off the last time you saw each other. Right. <laughs> Exactly. So Emily is a mama of one beautiful little girl. She is also the owner of Emmy's Apothecary, and you can find the link for that in the show notes. And before we dive into motherhood, can you just tell the listeners a little bit about that adventure, Emmy's Apothecary, and why you started it? I just think it's amazing. And you guys, you have to go check out her Instagram. All the pictures that you post are beautiful. So tell the listeners about that. Um. Well, actually, it's funny. I, uh, my husband and I started a bartending business um, because we were both in the food industry back in college, and we kind of wanted to stay in the service industry. Um, and so the photography end of it, I kind of taught myself by taking stills of cocktails and craft cocktailing. Um, obviously, with the pandemic, um, that sort of business had to kind of stop. Um, so back in Christmas, which unrelated to COVID, I um, decided to save a little money on Christmas gifts and make everyone their gifts. And I made room sprays and candles and, uh, you know, pillow mists and, you know, all these little things, cleaners that, you know, that were chemical free. Um, because I was making all this stuff for myself because I was doing all of this research on chemicals in the house, in regular household use things that we use every day that we're not realizing that we're ingesting, inhaling and breathing in weird stuff that we're unaware of. So I started making this all my own and gifted it to everybody for Christmas. And, uh, then the pandemic hit, we had to stop our bar business and, Perfect timing. Um, so I was like, well, I guess I'll open the apothecary. Yeah. So I just kind of went all in for it, you know. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, well, all, of, yeah. all of the products are beautiful. So you guys, you have to go check those out. And I don't want to even think about Christmas yet, but as we go and move into those holidays, it might be a nice gift for people, or it might just be something nice to send to a friend to lift them up during this, you know, rather stressful time. Sure. My whole mantra is, you know, manifest your own transformation. And it's all about like self-care and taking care of yourself and your, your environment. Since we're like stuck at home all the time now, it has to 
it's really important to make sure that you feel good in the space that you're in. Yeah. So something moms need to be reminded of often, I think. Absolutely, yeah. So you recently moved out of New York City um, for many different reasons. Where are you joining us from again? Uh, We're upstate in the Albany area. Uh, So we're still in New York State, just uh, like two and a half hours from the city. Um, And this is the area where I grew up. This is where I'm from. Troy, New York. (laughs) Oh, so you're back up closer to home. Yes, I moved a mile away from my mom and dad. Oh, that's kind of amazing. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we just, awesome. you know, we decided to keep our circle small so that my parents could see Eleanor. We actually lived with them for like the first three months of the pandemic and then decided to make it official and move. Yeah. So as I said earlier, Emily and I went to college together. So bring us back a little bit, obviously, after college, and you met Rip, your husband, at college, but then bring us back to that time after that, before the birth of your daughter. What was life like? What were you working on? What were you doing? So we waited five years before we decided to get pregnant, and uh, I think part of that was that we got married really young. Um, I was 24 on our wedding day, so, you know, it, it just, I wasn't ready for children yet. Um, So I spent, I took a lot of acting classes in New York. I was auditioning a lot. I was in shows. I was kind of just living that actor life, you know, and um, until we decided like, yeah, I was also, I'm still working actually uh, for a translation company. I do their books, like their accounting stuff. Um, So I was doing that as well on top of the auditioning and everything. And um, it's funny, I can barely remember. (laughs) (laughs) life was kind of like before being pregnant that's kind of funny right it It kind of changes (laughs) yeah I definitely look back at those times fondly but when we were ready I think we were we were definitely ready you know ready for that new journey yeah for sure so what was that pregnancy journey like was it did you get pregnant pretty quickly was it an easy journey actually yeah we we were pretty lucky um we just kind of I, we, you know, we stopped my birth control and about four months later I was pregnant. Um, and like, surprisingly, I, I was like shocked at how quickly it happened. And, uh, cause you know, like, sometimes you go off birth control and it can be kind of like slow going after that. And that wasn't the case for us. So we were really fortunate in that. Cause we know that not everybody is that lucky with everything. So of course yeah. we, we count our blessings there for sure. Pregnancy is another, another conversation. I didn't actually really enjoy being pregnant. Um, it just wasn't, you know, and then I'm sure people are listening, thinking like, Oh God, you know? (laughs) Well, it's funny. Some people love it and some people hate it. It's always, you know, I was pregnant in the hottest summer in New York city. I lived in sugar Hill where it's just all Hills. So I was like, (laughs) After like after my seventh month of pregnancy, I couldn't breathe. Like walking anywhere, it was miserable. <laughs> I was just like, I'm ready for this to be over. And then I was sick for a lot of it too. I was, uh, you know, um, like the first four months, like I couldn't keep anything down. You know, it was just mm-hmm. really like tough on my body, tough on your mental state, tough on you know, because you're going through like a dramatic hormonal change, you're going through a dramatic lifestyle change, you know, a career change, like everything just kind of like abruptly changed for me. And I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I was was going to. (laughs) And did you always have breastfeeding in your plan? Is that always something that you wanted to 
do if possible? Of course. Yeah, it was, um, I actually was inspired by a friend of mine who was really like, um, cause we were pregnant at the same time and, uh, she like really inspired me to, um, to just like look into the benefits of breast breastfeeding and then like, you know, extended breastfeeding after six months of, um, you know, or a year, you know, after your Mm -hmm. child turns a year, six months to a year, I know it's different for everybody. Um, you know, I just, yeah. So it, it kind of early on became something that I was really interested in. Um, because I was not a breastfed baby. I was a formula baby. Um, so breastfeeding and I was the oldest. And so I, my sister also wasn't breastfed. So I grew up in a non-breastfeeding environment. So I didn't really I didn't really have feelings about it until somebody else inspired me to become interested in looking into it. It was just really interesting. (laughs) Yeah, that's cool. And so then what was your birthing experience like? Um, I had a vaginal birth, um, but I was induced. Um, Towards the end of my pregnancy, um, one of my ultrasounds showed that I had pretty low amniotic fluid. And, um, they were monitoring, I was going once a week for ultrasounds at the end there, like the last two weeks of my pregnancy or three weeks, I guess. Uh, and then the day that I was induced, I just went in for a routine ultrasound at the hospital and they were like, Oh, you're not leaving. (laughs) There's no fluid left. Gotta come out. Like, you know, let's go get you booked, get a room. So, and I wasn't in labor. I wasn't feeling contractions. Like I, you know, I think I was naturally dilated a little bit, but not enough. And, uh, so, you know, there were some aspects of my birthing experience that were a little traumatic for me personally. Um, I had to have a Foley balloon put in. I don't know if you're familiar with I've that. Heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. That don't ever let the nurse tell you it's no big deal. That <laughs> is probably like that I think stands out the most <laughs> for me in the really? birthing experience. It's horrible. <laughs> But, you know, it's, you do it, you do what you got to do, you know, like, it's just, it's funny. I remember thinking like once they put, put me on Pitocin and I was really afraid of Pitocin because everything you read says that Pitocin causes your contractions to be horrible, you know, worse than natural contractions and all this stuff. And I went like eight hours on Pitocin with barely feeling a thing. And this is after the Foley balloon and they're just like, you should be like in a lot of pain right now. <laughs> I just wasn't. And I didn't have an epidural at that point. I just, until they broke my water and then that was a different story. And, um, you know, my body just wasn't, just wasn't ready to go into labor. So they really had to force things along that way. So yeah. And it took a long time. I pushed for two and a half hours. I bruised my tailbone. I couldn't sit down afterwards. I mean, I had some, you know, just, I had a long, uh, recovery period after that because, you know, I just, I take, I take it to a being a first time mom, you know, my body's never done that before. And also mm-hmm. my body wasn't ready. So I was forced into labor. So there, there are a couple of, I think attributes to having a long for myself, having a long recovery process there. So you did end up having an epidural, right? I did. Um, I lasted about two hours after they broke my water. And then the nurse actually kind of pressured me 
She was like, you're not, you're going to be too tired. You're not going to be able to push this baby out and you're going to have to have a C-section. You better get your epidural now. And so when I think back about that time, I wish that I had someone like knowledgeable in the room with me um, because my mom had left. She went and took a nap. They didn't think that baby was coming anytime soon or that I would be, you know, in active labor like that. And then, um, and then, you know, I think if I were to go back and do it again, I definitely have a doula in the room with me to be like, well, wait a minute. She didn't want an epidural, you know, she, yeah, because I didn't. My plan was to try and go as long as I could without one. Yeah. Well, and I was wondering, because I know just from knowing you, you're such a strong person mentally and physically. And so mm -hmm. I can imagine that, you know, to be, to feel pressured in a moment like that, you must have just been so weak in all of the aspects of what you were going through. You, you know, I, it's funny you say that because I, I, I feel the same way. I feel, I think about it all the time, actually. I feel like, you know, I, I could have kept going, but I, they scared, they scare you, you know, when you are in the hospital and, you know, everyone is all up in your vagina and they've got their <laughs> hands inside of you and you're naked and like you're huge. And you've never done you it know, before. You, you've never done it before and you want to be safe. And, you know, I think in my mind, I was like anything not to have a C-section. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, Yeah. Um, so I just said, okay, fine. I'll have the, uh, you know, I'll have the epidural. The, the, the thing too, is that the Pitocin was doing that thing at that point where it like makes your contractions not stop. Like I had no break at all in between contractions after they broke my water. So it was just plateauing at the top. You know, you see like the, the beeping line of how big <laughs> your contractions are. Mine was just like, a, it went up once and never came down. Wow. <laughs> And were you able to do skin to skin after that once she was born? Um, yes, I, um, you know, I was undressed from the, the top down and uh, I just couldn't feel, well, it's interesting. I could feel my legs and I could move around because they kind of let the epidural wear off a little bit. But at the end, because I did have tearing, they put something in my epidural that made me so numb that I couldn't move literally from my belly button down. And, um, which made it really hard for the first latch and like skin to skin and like having those first like two hours in the, in the birthing room with your baby, I couldn't move. So that I think was frustrating, but, um, but I was able to hold her skin to skin and Rip got to, that was a good bonding time for her and Rip, you know, too, while they were kind of, I was just kind of like, what just happened? Yeah. And, <laughs> and so what was that yeah. first feeding experience like for you? Uh, well, um, one of the books that I was reading was, is like the birthing partner. And, uh, it talks a lot about, um, about breastfeeding in those first like couple of hours with mom and baby and just mm -hmm. how important, you know, starting right away is. And then I've seen videos and stuff where like newborn, like fresh out newborn infants are like crawling up their mom's chest for their <laughs> first latch. Yeah. You know, I mean, just like how instinctually they, they want to latch right away, let them latch. So, so I tried to do that, but because I had this, this epidural thing after giving birth, I couldn't move my lower half of my body. So it made it, I couldn't sit up. I couldn't, yeah. I, I felt like I couldn't hold her, you know? And then because I was like slouching and in this weird position, she wasn't able to get a good latch right away. And then I had some nurse in my face saying, that's wrong. That's wrong. Nope. She shouldn't be making that noise. That's wrong. And so it was like, really, I just 
And this is where my personality sets in. Once I got to my recovery room, I immediately asked for a lactation consultant. And that was really helpful. And I said, I want to see the lactation consultant like every hour because I was not really that confident. You really, you have this vision of like, oh my gosh, I'm going to know exactly what to do. My baby's going to know what to do. And you have no clue. And so that's why we we need help. And that's why lactation consultants, I'm so glad that they're in hospitals now because it's just so important to have them. And I even saw one like two weeks after she was born just to like make sure everything was okay. Like my milk was okay. And, you know, she showed me different types of positions because my boobs, my boobs are naturally big anyway. They were massive. Mm. Like that's, there's like a whole thing about like how to breastfeed your baby if you have giant breasts. Because like my boobs were bigger than her head, like, like so it looks like you're suffocating them. I can right. send you some pictures. <laughs> I can send you pictures if you want to share them. It's it's pretty interesting. So she, the the lactation consultants help me show me how to support my own breast while I'm supporting mm. her head, and you know, it something was something you wouldn't necessarily think about. No, yeah, no, it was uh, it was definitely it's hard. It's hard work, but it was definitely. You know, and it does, it gets easier as you get used to it. The babies get stronger, you know, they can start to hold their head up. They, you know, now I have a two-year-old that crawls all over me with a nipple in her mouth and does acrobats. So it's, you know, and all changes. <laughs> so that's a perfect segue into my next question, which is just what has breastfeeding meant to you? I mean, now you've, you're, you're still breastfeeding, correct? I am still breastfeeding. And so what is, what is that from that very beginning moment. And, you know, as I've said in the introduction to this episode, I know that not many people are able to do this and many people pump and many people bottle feed and that's a hundred percent. Okay. At this moment, we're just talking about breastfeeding. And if you are able to do that and want to do that, um, Mm -hmm. and this was Emily's journey. So that's why we're, we're talking about this now, but from that very first moment all the way up until today, now that she's still two years old and you're still breastfeeding, what has that whole experience meant to you? Oh, you know, I mean, it's funny, like I'm human. I have days where I would like, I want to be done or I have days where I'm like, I just love this so much. This is such a wonderful bond. It's such a, and you know, I think overall it's, um, I actually kind of view it as like in a clinical way, like this is what's best for my child. I, my breast milk is made specifically for her and her body and her needs at any time. So I just feel like this, this is what she needs. And she, you know, developmentally and emotionally is giving me cues that she still needs it. So I, you know, some days, and you know, I have nursing aversions once a month around my cycle because, you know, I have my period back and I want to like, I want to scream. Like, it's so annoying. It's just annoying. And then other times it's just so cute and lovely and I love it. So, you know, yeah. can you hear her screaming I in the background? I back there. Oh. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's, I think it's hard to kind of be like, what does, what has this meant to me? I think it just means that this is, I'm doing in my mind, what's best for my kid. And that to me is like the most important thing, I guess. Um, obviously, emotionally, it's, you know, it's kind of all over the place. Yeah, changes by <laughs> so, the minute. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. but um, 
and you are very, very comfortable with public breastfeeding and you're very open about it and outspoken. So share what that means to you and why you're so outgoing about it. I mean, uh, we're mammals. Mm -hmm. We, you know, we are, if, if you choose to breastfeed and you want to breastfeed, I don't think that it should be publicly shamed or that you should be embarrassed. Trust me, I tried to cover for <laughs> like, uh, you know, and like I talked about my large breasts and how difficult that was. And then I'm trying to cover and now, and it's summertime and I'm sweating and the baby is hot and sweaty and we have this blanket over us and I'm under the blanket with her to try and see her face so that I'm not suffocating her with my boob. And I finally, one day was just like, this is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. If you really care that much about my boob feeding my baby and you need to go somewhere with your life <laughs> because it really, it really stopped becoming about what everyone else was thinking and just between you and your baby and trying to feed your baby. You know what I mean? It really stops becoming like, you know, and then now they have all these shirts and stuff. It's so discreet. Like you really can't see anything unless someone's like in your face looking for the ball, right know? exactly exactly <laughs> so, yeah so I just kind of in my experience I guess I just kind of felt like nobody should have to cover if they don't want to if this is if it's this uncomfortable for me and then I know it's also uncomfortable for other moms out there who are trying to do this and they're just and it's honestly probably a like one of the big causes that keeps women from breastfeeding because they can't do it in public and they can't you know, and then when they can't do it in public, they're not feeding on demand and they lose breast milk supply and then they turn to bottles and it's just a cycle. So it's kind of like one of those things. It's like, if you want to continue to breastfeed, you know, long-term or, you know, not worry about milk supply, don't cover your boob while you're out. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just my opinion. I'm not, I'm not like a doctor or anything, but that's just, Right. Of course. Have you had any specific experiences that you can remember with people saying something to you or anything like that? No, I, you know, it's interesting, you know, some people would stare, you know, I think, um, but that was like the most that I got, you know, people would stare and kind of like try and see like what was happening. And I'd be like, Oh, I'm just breastfeeding. Do you want to see? Like, I would do it, like whip it out on the subway. If she was like screaming her face off. Yeah. Like. Well, I think that's that's important to hear because I think it can be a taboo thing to do. We see these, like I actually just the other day came across this interview of this woman who was at a public pool and she was breastfeeding and she was asked to leave if she was going to continue to breastfeed and all of this stuff. And there's many things that go into all of it and there's multiple sides of stories and all of that. But I think it's interesting for moms to hear or future moms to hear that they might not get that typical backlash that they might be expecting if that's the decision that they want to make. And so I actually like hearing that you're like, you're saying, no, I haven't really, an, or nothing sticks out as, you know, like shaming me or anything like that. So uh -uh. I think that's important to hear. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I hear those, I hear those stories too. And it's obviously infuriating and I get red in the face and smoke comes out of my ears when I read <laughs> stuff like that. But it's like, it that never happened to me as far as I know like because I the group of friends the mom friends that I kind of became friends with after Eleanor was born um 
we were all, we all had similar parenting styles and we all were like open, uncovered breastfeeders. So we'd all just be like in the park with our boobs out talking with our babies latched yeah, on. That's helpful. You know, and, yeah. and that it's, so it's helpful to have like support and a network. And I, you know, I don't think anyone is going to like walk up to a group of moms in the park with their boobs out feeding right. their babies. You know what I mean? Um, but uh, I know that there are people and places and I, you know, situations where moms are ashamed for that and asked to leave and asked to cover up, you know, and it's like, I used to get really nervous about doing it in restaurants mm-hmm. in the beginning, you know, because people like, oh, I don't want to see that while I'm eating. And then it's like, well, I'm feeding my kid, you know, like so I just kind of, a lot of it, you hear all this stuff and you're worried about it. And then you kind of try and comply to that. And then it's like, I, at some point, I think she was like, she was like four weeks old. I was like, this is silly. Exactly. <laughs> Doing this anymore. Too much like, pressure. I was like, I hope someone comes and says something to me <laughs> at that yeah. point. I was like so sweaty and gross every time I tried to feed her. I was like, please, please come over here. And right. <laughs> you were ready for it. I was ready. <laughs> I also wanted to just touch on I know that you're an advocate for bed sharing. And I want to talk a little bit like about this and how it came about. Was it connected to breastfeeding and is that why it sort of happened? Yeah, actually it was all related to breastfeeding. So, you know, this is another one of those things where I feel like, um, so the information out there about bed sharing is like, it's a big no, no, you know, like you're in the hospital and they're like, you know, mom and dad have their bed, baby has their bed. And they're like, do not share with her. And like, when I was in the hospital, like I'd be falling asleep because you're exhausted after giving birth and you're exhausted after giving birth for like months afterwards, by the way, (laughs) it's not just like, oh, you recover in three days and you know, you're fine. It's like your body is healing from this major nine month change. And basically it's like a car accident and you are (laughs) like put through this this physical yeah. trauma, whether it's a C-section birth or a vaginal birth, natural birth, epidural birth, it doesn't matter. Your body still goes through like all of this stuff. You're exhausted. And I was falling asleep in the hospital and the nurses would come and take her out of my arms and whisk her away to the nursery until, and they like, we'll bring her back in three hours for a feeding. And, um, you know, that was like two days of that and I hated it. And then, you know, you're still scared when you go home, like this, this tiny little human that you know needs you with everything and you're you know the biggest thing is you're going to roll over on your baby you're going to your baby's going to suffocate they really scare you and these are all these are all real things that should scare us um it's just like i finally again the same friend who um introduced me and like really inspired me to be breastfeeding also kind of was like you can sleep with her just do it safely. Cause I was exhausted. It was like week five or six. No one was sleeping. She slept all day long. I couldn't get her to sleep at night. You know, we were up all night, you know, and up all day. And, um, you know, it just like, she wouldn't sleep and it, she was, she didn't like to be swaddled. You know, every time we put her in a swaddle, I was like, we were putting her in a straight jacket and she bust her arms out and Aww. scream and cry. And, you know, and I mean, you, you, it just, ugh, I have anxiety thinking about like trying to put her there. And then finally one night I was like, you know what? I pushed all of the pillows off the bed. I pushed all of the blankets off the bed and I laid on my side and I like held her on my side and we both 
was we all slept for five hours that night and she just stayed on my boob wow. and lashed all night. And I, you know, you wake up in a panic, but it was like, Oh my God, every, and she was right. asleep when we woke up. It was just like, Oh, yeah. and it just kind of naturally became this like thing, like, okay, you know, I guess this is much easier. We get to sleep, especially when you're recovering from birth, like you really need sleep to heal and, you know, and it's like not safe when you're that tired. I remember, um, like the, for her first doctor's checkup, I started getting a fever and like, I had like this like really kind of vertigo dizzy feeling and, um, you know, and, and my milk hadn't come in yet. So I was afraid it was mastitis. And, you know, I was like, um, you know, I don't know. And I, and my mom was there and she was just kind of like, you know, I just think you need to sleep. And, you know, sure enough, I, yeah. I you know, <laughs> something I really them. basic we need. Yeah. She's like, I think you just need to sleep, you know, cause my, that was another thing. My milk took five days to come in. It is all related to breastfeeding. At least it was for me. Um, you know, and she still sleeps with us. It's, you know, it's just kind of part of our, our, thing. It's our, what our family needed at the time. And, you know, it still needs it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I think it's like we mentioned before with the shame aspect and all of that, I think it's important for other women to hear. That's why I just, I love sharing these stories about every single mom is different and every single situation is different. And if you're doing something that's safe, I mean, at the end of the day, it's your decision for you. It worked out and you got sleep and comfort and, you know, you have this bond. And then, you know, I guess as far as it goes now, if she still sleeps with you, I guess then it's just your journey to figure out how to get her out of the bed. If that's what you wanted to eventually do, you know what I mean? Which I'm assuming that you would be like, we'll figure that out. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, the way we kind of just naturally fell into this parenting thing, I, you know, we kind of like threw all the books away, you know, and we we stopped kind of like following all these, like, like, you know, I hate to call them like society's rules, but in a way they kind of are. And that's, I think, where the shame kind of comes from. Instead of just supporting each other with the decisions that we make, like you said, if this is like, you don't follow the rule by this book, then you're putting your kids in danger. You're putting yourself in danger. And it's kind of like, well, there's, you know, and I'm happy to share with you, actually, if you want to share it with your listeners, there's a lot of information for safe bed sharing and like what you need. Yeah, um, that'd be great. And then uh, for like night nursing with, with your kids for breastfeeding, um, and how to lay safely with them while you're breastfeeding. And, you know, so that you don't, you know, God forbid roll over, but you'd be surprised how your instincts kind of like, well, that's the thing. I mean, instinctually, like you started off this conversation, like we're mammals. So, and we were created to do this as women Mm -hmm. to bear children and to keep them alive. (laughs) So I think, you know, all of the information in the books and everything that you can read is so helpful and necessary to do your research. But at the end of the day, if you just follow your instincts, I think that's really the best Yeah. I think the, like the big things for me, um, uh, were like, uh, you can't don't be intoxicated in the bed because, you know, anything that could inhibit your, your natural instincts, in your judgment, yeah. don't 
bed share. If you like to have a couple glasses of wine before bed, don't bed share with an infant. You know what I mean? Like it, you just shouldn't do that. If you have a, if you or your partner are smokers, whether it's um, cigarettes or marijuana or whatever, uh, don't bed share because the smoke, uh, secondhand smoke that's on your body can transfer on your child and cause sudden infant death syndrome. So those are things that, um, that are like really important to read about when you, if you are considering bed sharing. That's awesome. I just love how you're just always and always have been such just like an open book and just go with the flow. And like, you're, you're such an inspirational woman in general. You always have been, I thought that since college. And then it's so inspiring to see you now as a mom and just know that you've, you've never lost that heart and that like groundedness that you'd ha- you've had in yourself, you know, you're just, that's so important. And I think we can lose that in all of the chaos and messiness that comes at us when we're journeying into a new thing, yeah. you know, new territory, yeah. but you've never lost that. So I well, think that's thank really you. Awesome. That was really sweet. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, of course. My final question for you is one of my favorites I always love to ask, and that is, what is something you'd like to tell her now for when she's 18? Oh, gosh. Um, like if she, were to, if she were to listen back when she's 18 to this episode, what would you want to tell her? I mean, obviously how much we've enjoyed this time with her, you know, it's just been so fun and crazy, you know, raising a toddler, but, um, I, I don't know. I've never thought about that before. You know, you're stuck (laughs) in this world when you're like, you know, it's just going day to day to day and you're just trying to survive and keep them alive. And, you know, you're, it's a pandemic, so you're not really thinking about the future. You're just thinking about the now. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's like a little, it's a, it's a journal entry for down the road. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think just, we've always loved her for who she is. She is, she has a spirit about her that is probably gets it from me (laughs) Um, (laughs) that I want her to never have, don't let anybody let that light out of her or don't burn the light out of her because she, she is strong and she needs to continue to be strong, you know? So, yeah. I think that's exactly, <laughs> exactly, you know, I, I think you've hit it right on the nose. She got it from you. But what an amazing, you know, lesson to learn from a woman and a strong woman. I think that's so important. Yeah, I agree. It's been so fun. Yes, thank you for having me. I really, yeah, have me again. I would love to come back. <laughs> <laughs> of course, anytime. The Pumping Podcast is a podcast for moms and by moms. And I am your host. I'm not yet a mama. I'm a mama in training. If you're enjoying what you hear, take a minute on Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and make sure you review so other mamas out there can find us and listen along while they're pumping or breastfeeding. Some fun news for you. We have a private mama network for support and community of mamas. If you'd like to join, email info at thepumpingpodcast.com. Also, if you'd like to be a guest and share your journey into motherhood, email interviews at thepumpingpodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at thepumpingpodcast. And for any other questions or to connect, check out thepumpingpodcast.com. Thank you so much for spending some of your day with me. You light me up and inspire me. And share the podcast with a mama or future mama you know. 
Until next time, keep on pumping.